Thank you, music team. Morning, church. Morning, church. Now, it was uh, the best of years and also the worst of years. Now, this is not the tale of two cities, but the tale of my life uh, this year, a reflection of what it was like for me in 2023. It was the worst of years because I had to grieve very deeply this year. First of all, I received the news I'll be appointed out of Amokyo Methodist Church, as you all already know by now, a place I've called home for the past uh, 12 years. I was appointed here on 1st of August 2011, and while I was away for studies uh, 2016-2017 for 10 months, I was reappointed here on 1st of June 2017, and then SPIC 1st January 2019. 12 years ago, I came here with a thick crop of hair. Today, I have a thinning hair. Cannot do the full Korean hairstyle anymore. <laughs> 12 years ago, Val came here pregnant with Joash uh, in the womb. Uh, today, we are living with two biological children and many, many spiritual friends and offspring. We thank God for that. I received the news of my new appointment on the evening of 30th of September. And that was the night before our anniversary service. So we had just concluded our LCC planning retreat and then I got the shock news after we planned for the new year that I'm going to be appointed out so I will not see the fruits of the plans for the next year. And the next day, as I mentioned, was our 45th anniversary. If you remember, I was asked to dance. <laughs> then I was asked to act. Wow, where's the cake? Huh? Call Agent K. But deep down inside, I was grieving very deeply at that moment. Only three people besides me knew about this news. And so I think I deserve a star award. Hong Sing Ta Jiang. Have to uh, act as if nothing was happening. But actually deep down inside, I was grieving. But at the same time, I know that it was my uh, so-called last anniversary. I'll celebrate with you all. It made it extra meaningful. And so I, that was uh, the, the deep grief within me. <coughs> so I grieved for maybe uh, intensely, maybe one week. But Lord uh, brought me on, <clears throat> spoke to me from the scriptures. I went on a silent retreat. And the Lord spoke clearly to me through his word and some signs that his will is for me to go. He spoke to me and that's Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 2. Obey the king's command. <laughs> so president, in this case, is so-called the king, right? He makes the decision, obey or the command of the, uh, from the president. So even though I can't see it yet, but as we have just sung in the song earlier, the Lord holds the future. He knows what's ahead and I can trust him. So I just simply to obey. I may have willingly signed up as a Methodist pastor that all Methodist pastors are itinerant, as in we will move around from churches uh, to churches. And uh, definitely that day will, run, will come. But still, when the day comes, it hits like a ton of bricks. Just like death. We know that death will surely come, right? But when it comes, it still hits us like a ton of bricks. Second, it was the worst of years because like many of you, I received the news of Joseph Chien's uh, very tragic and sudden passing on 16th of November 2023. Unknown uh, to most of you, he not only preached in our church several times in our church camp, but he also was very instrumental in guiding our church to be a missional church, to our guiding our leadership team towards a very prayer-filled atmosphere, even as we did our strategic planning. So we'll take the whole day, like eight all the way to five, and then we'll spend half the time in worship and prayer. Very different from the usual ways we do our strategic planning. You know, we do, we try to use our God-given wisdom, you know, to try to plan things. But he guided us in a new model <coughs> to how to seek God first, worship God, Forget about everything else, not even the agenda that we can do for God, but just worship God for who He is. And from there, the overflow, as we have a sense of what God's heart is, then we follow His leading. But more than that, Joseph was a friend and a personal friend and a dear brother in Christ. And the last message I have with him on my WhatsApp is not work, it's not church related, not ministry related at all. 
I asked him, where can I buy the best poultry, the best chicken in our Potong Pasir neighborhood? <laughs> I had moved into the estate, right, in the area, uh, last one year plus ago. And so I asked him, hey, where can I find all these wonderful things? And so that's Joseph. Even though he's among the top Christian leaders in Singapore, he hangs out with the best of the Christian scene in Singapore, he was very down-to-earth, never shied away from going out to the lowest, to the poorest, and even answering a very mundane question of mine, <laughs> where to buy chicken. Very simple, mundane, routine, daily affair. His heart for missions and God's people was simply infectious. He always positioned himself by asking, how can I serve you and the church? How can I serve you and the church? And that's why he's been offering to the churches in Singapore. And so these uh, events made it the worst of years for me in these 12 years. And yet, it was the best of years because I can say that this year, I think probably I'm the proudest of Amokyo Methodist Church in all my 12 years here. Someone asked me during one of the farewell meals, what's your happiest memory of AMKMC? What's your happiest memory? I replied, too many, really too many wonderful memories here. But if I had to choose, it would be this year's church camp, how we went out there to serve and reach out to the downs and outs of society in a foreign country. Not just in Singapore, which we already do that, we thank God for that, but also in a foreign country, because I shared the prayer ministry earlier on, you know, God's heart is that we'll be a house of prayer for the nations. And we did that at church camp, we spent time praying for another nation. But I, I, so it's not that I don't enjoy celebration nights and all the laughter that accompanies many church camps. I still remember very funny events, how we dress up for celebration nights and so forth. But I find that the primary reason the church exists is not for ourselves. And so I'm extremely grateful to Joseph Chen for guiding and challenging our church to be a missional church. And I trust we will never ever forget these wonderful, precious lessons. In his final sermon with us, Joseph Chen spoke from John chapter 17, verse 4. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And so truly, he has fought the good fight, run the race, kept the faith, and brought glory to God. More than that, I'm extremely heartened to know that certain cell groups continue to return to the homes and the organizations in Jehovah Baru. Show you one picture here. As a kind of a ground-up initiative. Uh, let's show the picture. <laughs> it's a ground-up initiative because it's not driven by the pastor's office. It's not driven by the missions comm, which is typically how things function in church. right? But it's a real ground-up initiative. The people of God feeling the compassion for the lost and needy out there on their own initiative go out there to do the work of ministry. Actually, I have one whole stack of photos, but I just highlight one photo from this particular home, Burkhardt home. We have their permission to share this photo as well as later on what you see in Anne's home, the video, the photos of the children there. So permission has been given. Right now, I want to show you a video. Uh, so this uh, trip, Burkhardt, was uh, taken in September. And then I want to show you a video of uh, how the ministry continues in the month of November uh, at Anne's home. Let's uh, watch this video, please. Thank you.
So you can see, actually, we are English-speaking church, but they were doing ministry in Mandarin. And so they sit behind the scenes because they put all the honey peeing. They cannot read the Chinese word themselves, but they want to minister in song. So they wrote all the honey peeing so that they can still minister in song. And so we want to thank God really for these things that God is birthing in our midst. But more than church camp, this year has been great for many reasons. We started with the Easter bun distribution, let's have the photos. If you remember, we went out there to distribute uh, buns to the community and flyers. Wow, so many bags, but we did it. And we had our anniversary t-shirt. Some of us are wearing the anniversary t-shirt. I saw this earlier this morning. And church camp, then a fantastic, fantastic fun fair, right? When we opened our doors to the community and we're so glad that this century was filled, especially for the morning session. So many of them have never stepped into our church before. It was a wonderful opportunity to be an open house for the community, for them to come in. So another photo of the fun fair. Uh, many others, you can find them on our Facebook. You can, it's all uploaded on our Facebook. And then closing the year with Christmas cheer, our most recent 45th anniversary event. So I want you to know, I didn't plan or drive any of these 45th anniversary events. It was truly the lay leaders, the zone leaders, cell leaders, all the staff, many of you who made all these events a roaring success. If anything, I was mostly the mascot, <laughs> just show face, right? Actually, I see myself more as a proud parent along the sidelines, being a cheerleader. Well done. Let's continue. Good job. I'm proud that we went out to the neighborhood to distribute flyers, as, as I've said, to invite people to come to our church, to pray for them if the opportunity arises. And so we really want to thank God for this opportunity to be a mission, uh, mission with the master in our community. So give yourselves a big round of applause once again. Good job, everyone. <laughs> So best of years, uh, worst of years, and I ask myself, okay, so since it's my final sermon, uh, what should I share? At least uh, for the foreseeable future. Uh, in the Methodist Church, it's never the last, last, uh, until the Lord calls us home, so you never know. But for the foreseeable future, uh, so I asked myself, what should I share? And I felt I wanted to talk about Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Let me read from verse 3. For it is we who are the circumcision, this is Apostle Paul writing, <coughs> we who serve God by His Spirit, who boasts in Christ Jesus, who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If any, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. Verse 7, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ. And be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Verse 12, not that I've already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I pray as well to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I pray as well toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take uh, such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make it clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. 
Verse 17, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. This is the word of God. Come, let us pray. Father, I want to thank you for the 12 years you have given to me here in this Amokyo family. Lord, I ask for your rich and abundant blessings to continue to pour out lavishly upon my brothers and sisters here. Truly, the work that you have begun, you will be the one to bring it to completion. And so our confidence is in you, Lord. And Lord, as I preach this word today, hide me behind the cross. May the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts, and the actions of our lives truly bring you all the glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Press on. Press on. That is what Apostle Paul exhorts the people of God to do. To press on. Now, the Greek word here for press on is dioko. It has this sense of, you know, rapidly and decisively moving towards a missional objective. That's the sense here. It has both focus as well as urgency. And Paul uses this word twice in verse 12 and again in verse 14. Typically, we think press on means to endure. Tahan, you know, just endure a difficult trial. And that is a valid picture for Christians. But that's not the meaning of the word here. The word here has this sense of pursuing. Chasing after. It's like running after, after the prey. The predator is running and chasing and pursuing after the prey. It's very focused and it's very urgent because it's a matter of life and death. It is this, the uh, same verb is used in Acts chapter 9 verse 4 when Jesus appeared to Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus and asked, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's the same word. Persecution is an intense word, right? To pursue is also very intense. And that's really the meaning of the Greek word here. It is not a word that you just endure quietly. No, it is to pursue with all your heart because you are you have a very clear mission objective. And now when you charge forward, in, inevitably you will leave something of the past behind or leave something behind in order to move forward rapidly, urgently, decisively. I moved house about a year plus ago and in case some of you still think I stay in Jurong, no, I moved nearer to Potong Pasir. That's why I asked Joe Chen for that. And thank God, now that I have to go to Pasiris, it's not so far. <laughs> and now I have to move office. So keep moving things in the past one year plus. And in both cases, I basically threw or gave away half of my stuff. There were things that were good, but over the years, because I accumulated many good things, I still have to give them away. There were many good books. I, couldn't, I can't possibly carry all of them over, or at least I don't want to carry all of them over. And so I gave to the staff, some I gave to the community library. There were many other things that were originally good, but eventually became bad. For example, DVDs. No more DVD player. Ah, <clears throat> right, nowadays you can find everything on the internet. You don't need to keep all these anymore. So it used to be good, but because of technological advancements, it became obsolete, so I threw them away. So to move decisively, rapidly, I had to discard many things, both good and then what was originally good, but became bad. And that's what Apostle Paul had in mind too. In verses 4 to 6, he lists down his wonderful pedigree, his many successes, his discarding in order to pursue Christ. He makes a similar argument in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 16 to chapter 12, verse 10. You can refer to it on your own time. Over there, he makes <coughs> this boast, but not of his successes or pedigree, but of his sufferings for God, how he almost died, he was shipwrecked, so and so forth. You can read it for yourself. But over there, he acknowledges he was out of his mind to speak like that. In other words, it's not something he wanted to do. It's uncharacteristic for him to do that, but he was doing it to make a point. He says, 
Ultimately, at the end of the day, we can only boast in Christ Jesus alone. So it's uncharacteristic for someone like him to boast either in his success or in his suffering. So likewise, since it's my last sermon here uh, for the foreseeable future, let me be uncharacteristic for a while. I believe it's uncharacteristic because uh, I think you all know me well after these 12 years. In another setting, I probably will not share this because most people will wrongly conclude I boastful, how lean, or as the younger generations will say, flexing your muscle, you know, flexing. But I'm confident uh, you have seen my life all these 12 years. So let me make this simple illustration, uh, really just to make a point. I come from a prestigious school, ACS, all 12 years. I was usually in the top few classes. For NS, I think this is the part most of you know, I went through Naval Diving Unit. I survived Hell Week. That's quite a great achievement in itself. My childhood dream was to become a pilot, which I subsequently uh, pursued after I finished my naval diving course. I went to join uh, RICF for a short season as a pilot cadet. I was offered a retest, but I didn't take the retest up because by the time God had really called me towards ministry and I felt I didn't want to be bonded for a decade or more as an RICF pilot, so I let the dream down and put it down. <laughs> so, in, But in essence, air, land, sea, I can survive in all the environments. After NS, I started at NUS. As you all know, NUS is one of the top universities here in Singapore. I was the first batch of bioengineering students the year that the course was first launched. Not easy to get in, but I, somehow by God's grace, I got in. <clears throat> at the end of the day, I graduated with honours, second class upper, not the best, but good enough. At Trinity Theological College, I was the top student in both Greek and Hebrew, eventually graduated as the class valedictorian. At 30 years old, I was ordained as a deacon, so I got Reverend title at 30 years old, same time as Jesus started ministry. <laughs> By 32, I was ordained an elder. By 36, I finished my Master of Theology. And most people do their Master of Theology in two years. I finished it in 10 months and I graduated with a perfect GPA score of 4.0. <laughs> now most of you may think, wow, now you finally flex. <laughs> Boasting, huh? But honestly, ask yourselves, before today, how many of you know about this? I would say 98% probably don't know. 98% don't even know. Only a small pocket of people. I've never mentioned these achievements or in my casual conversations. Maybe I cannot say never ever, but surely it's very hardly, you know, very seldom that I will talk about these things. And I know, of course, there are many people in our midst who have better achievements than me, and yet far humbler they don't talk about it at all too. Wonderful people. But why do I make this boast if they can really be considered as boasts? Really only just to make an illustration here. I want to make today's lesson as visual as concrete as possible. And Paul says, if anyone thinks that there are reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. And so Paul lists his points. I also can put confidence in my flesh. I can lift down the points for you. But at the end of the day, I want to resonate with Apostle Paul when he says, whatever were gains to me, I now consider as loss for the sake of Christ. Whatever were gains to me, I now consider as loss for the sake of Christ. The great Asian revivalist John Sung was probably even more dramatic in living out this verse. He was born in 1901 in Fujian province, China. He left for America in 1920 and he earned his undergraduate, graduate and postgraduate degrees in chemistry for five, in five and a half years before returning to China in 1927, determined to be a preacher. Imagine that. 
three degrees in five and a half years in 1920s as a Chinese in America. Chemistry. Most of us don't even know what is basic chemistry. This guy is true brilliance. But on his way back to China, he was so determined to preach the gospel, he threw all these certificates into the ocean. There's no way he's going to ever retrieve them back. I can't say I've tossed away all my awards, uh, graduation certificates, but I can say honestly, I don't know where they are located. <laughs> even when I pack my office, I just grab, ah, put, ah, let's go. I don't even bother to look through. Some people frame up their certificates, their degrees, right? But if you have ever stepped into my office, you will never have seen a single one because all things are lost compared to knowing Jesus Christ. All of these are nothing compared to knowing Jesus Christ. Apostle Paul says again, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Everything in this world is garbage, filthy wrecks compared to knowing Christ and gaining Christ. If anything that I truly want to boast now, I must say I have a lot of experience in clearing garbage. <laughs> in a recent episode, because of my uh, you know, foolishness, I accidentally threw something into the rubbish bin. After that, I put some food waste in and I needed to go and retrieve. Those of you who clear garbage, you know how garbage smells very smelly and if you try to retrieve something that is filled with food waste, oh, yucky and gross, right? So that I can boast a lot of experience in clearing garbage. So garbage is yucky, smelly. And that's what Paul is saying. Everything else is garbage compared to knowing Jesus Christ and being found in Him. All our achievements and accolades are useless in saving us. There's nothing that we can do that can ever save us. And in fact, our achievements and accolades could even have the opposite effect of preventing us from drawing near to Christ. Because all this hate knowledge that we have, all these achievements, all the badges we wear, we think, oh, I'm so good. But the scripture says over and over again, it is pride. And pride is the one that will prevent us from coming close to God. Samuel Richardson, who lived contemporaneously with John Wesley, said this, Spiritual pride is the most dangerous and the most arrogant of all sorts of pride. Spiritual pride is the most dangerous and most arrogant of all sorts of pride. Surely we have seen arrogant people in our lives, <laughs> at our workplaces, so and so forth. Out of all the pride, and arrogance. This is the worst. And so as I take my leave from here, if you remember me in your prayers, please pray I will never fall into spiritual pride. Two things I ask that you pray for me. Number one is this, that I will never fall into spiritual pride. Second, pray for my family that they will walk close with God and we will all walk close with God and uh, ask for God's protection. My prayer for all of you is found in Philippians 3, verses 9 to 11. I pray together with Apostle Paul, that all of you will be found in Christ, not having a righteousness of your own that comes from the law, but that which is true faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. That you will never base your identity or righteousness based on what you have done for God, but simply because of what, who Jesus is. And then verse 10, I want to know Christ. I pray you will know Christ. Yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings. And that is so important. Not just wanting the glorious things from God, but also willing to go to suffer for Him. And that is the important part of Christianity that so many people fail to preach. To participate in suffering for Christ. That is the highest honour and glory. And then from there, to attain to the resurrection 
from the dead. So that's my prayer for all of you, even as I take my leave very soon. I really like the word found. It means, first of all, it's hidden, and then you find it, right? It's discovered. And this is the journey that we all have to undertake, and God will take us on this journey. And when we find it, it is like a man, as Jesus teaches in the parable, it's like a man discovering a pearl of great price hidden in a field. And then he will sell everything just to buy that field. Because everything else compared to this pearl, this is the surpassing worth. Everything else is lost garbage. So this is the same pursuit Paul is on, I'm on, and I pray all of us will continually to be on, to press on, to pursue. A.W. Tozer is one of my favorite Christian authors. That's the other thing I want to leave with all of you. Go and read his books. He's really a prophetic man. He is intellectual. He writes well, in a sense, very deeply profound thinker, but he was also charismatic, moves in the spirit, and one of my favorite authors. And he's got classics, Man's Pursuit of God and God's Pursuit of Man. Wonderful books. I commend to your reading. To find our true identity and fulfillment in Christ, that is the most blessed of all human existence. There is nothing better to find our identity, our security, our purpose, our destiny in Christ. In Christ, we find true joy and delight, as opposed to the waste worlds. The waste worlds are like pleasure. You seek pleasure after they feel guilty. And then this vicious cycle repeats. But with God, you find true joy and delight and no more faint sense of guilt. In Christ, we find freedom in surrender, strength in weakness, perfection in suffering. And as many saints of all have always been saying, in God's presence, there is unspeakable joy. Unspeakable joy. And I pray for all of you to experience that more and more in your life. That in Christ, we will discover He is truly all that we need. Tonight, we will have our covenant uh, renewal service. It's the Wesleyan covenant, something that we do annually. And the words include this, and I give you a heads up so that when you come tonight, uh, you can say the prayer more meaningfully and really with all your uh, heart. I am not my own. I am yours alone. Make me into what you will. Rank me with, who, with those you will. Put me to use for you. Put me to suffering for you. Let me be employed for you. Let me be laid aside for you. Let me be lifted up high for you. Let me be brought low for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things or let me have nothing. With a willing heart, I freely give everything to your pleasure and disposal. It's like marriage. We only want for better. We don't think about for worse. We, we want in health. We don't think about in sickness. But the vow is really in sickness and in health. For better or for worse. And that's the covenant that we're making tonight. Not just let me have all things. Yay! But let me have nothing. Rank me with whom we will. Sometimes I exalted good, other times brought low, and that's fine. Freely we submit everything to God's pleasure and disposal. And so that is what I have signed up for, and I believe all Methodists, and John Wesley's idea, Methodists are basically Christians, so all Christians should subscribe for this, to this, to be fully surrendered to God's will. And so again, when President told me I had to go, and God spoke through His Word, through circumstances, through signs, I submitted I freely give all things to God's pleasure and disposal. Now, this covenant prayer is only possible because we have tasted and seen of the goodness of God. The reason why Jesus was able to face the cross was because he lived in eternity with God the Father. He, is, he understands how wonderful the presence of God is. And so he was able to take that momentary suffering because he knows how surpassing that worth of being in God's presence was. He had always been found in God in his father. His identity in his sonhood was always secure. 
And that gave him the ability to surrender to God's will. And it is the same for us too. Jesus invites us through the work of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, to be found in him alone. When we have discovered that unspeakable joy, then we can say the words of the covenant. Whatever, Lord, you desire, it's good. Because your will is always good. There is truly no higher joy and purpose for all of us than to be found in our Creator God. As St. Augustine famously says, our hearts are restless until they find rest in God alone. Our hearts are restless until they find rest in God alone. And when we find rest in God, circumstances can change. But this rest, this peace will never ever be shaken. By the way, uh, again, my appointment out of Amokyo was pretty sudden due to circumstances and so and so forth. But we knew of Pastor Lee's official retirement as a track pastor uh, much earlier this year. And so I scheduled him to speak tonight, his final finale sermon huh, for Watch Night as an appointed track pastor. So he's retiring from track officially, but he'll be employed by our local church here. So I will leave it to him to speak more tonight, if it's the Lord's will. I hope you're not using a farewell sermon, huh? <laughs> this morning at the AM sermon, he very cute. After the AM uh, family news time, he says, Hey, Pastor Anthony, you don't always have farewell, right? So you, only, you feel very sad about your farewell. He said, you can reuse this farewell sermon next time. <laughs> so now I ask him, ah, tonight you don't use your farewell sermon, huh? <clears throat> uh, jokes aside, now when I was a younger man, I used to uh, identify with Apostle Peter more, impulsive, brash, but always passionate for God's cause to do whatever God wants. Of course, I feel many times like Apostle uh, Peter did as well. But over the years of ministry, I find myself identifying more and more with Apostle Paul, maybe growing older as a spiritual father and my own children. And the more I read his letters, the more I'm convinced Paul never set out to write wonderful theological essays. But every letter was written with a fatherly heart for the children of God, that they will continue to walk in God's ways according to God's light, holiness, so and so forth. I want to thank uh, our former pastoral team member, Gerald, for highlighting 1 Corinthians 4, 14 to 16, to my attention many years ago. He says, Paul writes, I'm writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Even if you have 10,000 guidance in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. Now, it's a big difference. A guardian and a father are two different levels. Yes, they legally, they both perform the same functions. But emotionally, that's a huge difference. Of course, I don't claim credit for most of you becoming Christians because of me. I think most of you are already Christians by the time I came. But because of my role as pastor, I do have to take on this spiritual father role. And God has wired us that we will always need role models in our lives. And for the children, it begins with parents. Parents are our first role models. And then as we grow up, other people also become our role models. Like for example, A.W. Tozer is a role model, but through his books, we also have other role models that we see in real life. And we all need role models because that's how our brains are wired. In this book called The Other Half of Church, a neurotheologian highlights uh, medically speaking, the right side of our brain is activated six times compared to five times on the left side for each event that we encounter or each interaction that we have. So the left side is the logical side. You process things on the left side. The right side is intuitive, visual, right? You catch things. And because the right side always works faster, we catch things faster than we can process them. Sounds familiar? You want to say something? Hey, alamak. Actually, don't know which one come out first, right? 
because the right size sometimes is faster than you can process. And so this means when you see a person who lives like Jesus Christ, it's always more impactful than if you just attend Bible study lesson by yourself. And again, I'm not against Bible study. I really study the Bible very much and I hope you can study the Bible in your own time as well. And when you come to cell group, it is not the only Bible study time you have. But in your own Bible study time, you have already learned so much. When you come to cell group, you're just sharing what God has revealed to you. That's the idea of the class meeting. John Wesley may not know about this neuroscience, but that's precisely the impact and the spirit of the class meeting where we share our lives. We share what God has been doing. And that is more impactful than just mere Bible study and Bible knowledge alone. In my farewell, the youth and young adult made this meme. Uh, in case you don't know what it's a meme, M-E-M-E. It's basically a way of poking fun at reality. La. So you take it with a pinch of salt, okay? You don't take it seriously. So in the original meme, the bottom left corner, as you see on the screen, is usually Apostle Paul. Christ, wow, wonderful model. Then Apostle Paul, not bad. La. You know, trying his best. He's not perfect, right? He's still quarrel with Barnabas, his good friend, fallen in some ways. So to me, to be placed on the same level as Apostle Paul, what an honor. <laughs> but actually for me, I see it the other way, another way. It's Christ. And for me, Joseph Chen was my role model. He's someone I see living out the life that God uh, has called him to, and he desires to live his life out for his glory. He frequently teaches at Tungling Bible School, and after his passing, they wrote a wonderful tribute piece to him. His desire is that God gets the greatest glory out of his life. This is what he said. This is the end picture. God is far more worthy of my everything. If there's anything I want to live for, I want to live for this end goal. And God gets the greatest glory out of my life. If there's anything, this is what I want to live for. God gets the greatest glory out of my life. Now, it doesn't mean that every one of us are called to be full-time pastors or missionary. But wherever you are, actually you are already on mission with God. It's whether you are living out your life in such a way that you are living out for God's glory wherever you are. That is the point. right? Giving your life, giving God the greatest glory wherever He has sent you whether you're a student, you're an army camp, whatever your workplace is, even on holiday, we want to desire to give God our greatest glory. So wherever you find yourself on this spiritual journey, wherever you want to see yourself on this meme, the meme is funny because I forgot to explain. Huh? The last picture is not even a sheep. It's an ironing, iron pretending only to be on the sea, right? That's the problem, right? <laughs> All this theory we know, uh, but actually never leave out. Don't even step into the water. <laughs> so, but that's all of us are really, honestly, we are on this spiritual journey. And wherever we are on this spiritual journey, the point is press on together. Because Apostle Paul is already the highest standard I think we can ever know of. And he says, even then he's not sure he will press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of him. If that's the standard, I think we should all follow the same standard. May Christ truly always be our top pursuit and be found in Him alone. For all the successes that God has given to us as individuals and as a church, we praise God, thank God, but let's forget it and press on towards what is ahead. And so my season of role modeling the faith for you is ending, but I'm confident my good friend, Pastor Su Chai, will do an excellent job as well as role modeling the faith for you. 
And I'm confident that Amokyo Methodist Church is still in very good hands because we have actually many wonderful role models of faith. All right, we have, I've seen it in our Taste of Alpha class, New Life class, Baptism membership class, our cell leaders, our Zoom leaders, our LCC, our ministry partners, many of you. In fact, just now, I was on my way in walking, I was just checking around, walking around, and I saw cell leader Chai Lian bring for her member. This is a role model. Actually, it's happening in and around us all the time. We have so many wonderful role models. And so I'm confident that here we have. And so that's why Paul says at the end, have us as a role model, but keep your eyes on those who live as we do. So together, we role model what it means to follow Christ and to pursue Christ together. Let me conclude as Apostle Paul did. Let me just run through the final verses as an exhortation and a challenge to all of us. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. We never ever truly arrive until the Lord calls us home. But I press on, I persecute, I pursue, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. So first of all, it is God who took hold of us. Then we took hold of Him. It's not we take hold of God first, but He took hold of us and now we take hold of Him. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken all of it. See, this is what Paul says. I don't even think I have achieved it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead. Even the good things, discard it. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Jesus is our greatest reward. There is no other reward better than Him. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only live us, let us live up to what we have already attained. In other words, don't compare with others. Look at what God has really given to you. Leave it to that standard. Don't need to compare, this guy can do more than me. No. Whatever you know, leave it. Then press on. And then verse 17, join together in following my example. Brothers and sisters, as 1 Corinthians says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Many Many wonderful role models in our midst. And I pray again my fatherly blessing for all of you that together we will press on and grow towards heavenward in Christ Jesus. Come, let us pray. Father, we are so thankful that you sent us Jesus, first of all. And it's in Him alone that we find our righteousness, our identity, and so on and so forth. But we are also thankful for the many brothers and sisters whom you have sent to us as role models whether they be our parents, our grandparents, our cell leaders, our pastors, our staff, so and so forth. We are so thankful for each and every life you have sent our way to encourage us and to remind us to press on. So Father, we ask once again for your Holy Spirit to help all of us to press on, to forget what is behind and to move and strain towards what is ahead, towards the prize and the reward that you call us in Christ Jesus. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.